And welcome to Inspirited Minds is the Mindful Muslim Podcast, where we discuss Islam, psychology, mental health, and spirituality. I'm Minha, and today I have with me Alia Sheikh, who has a bank of knowledge and experience behind her. But to name a few, she is the founder of Rahma Wellbeing, a psychotherapeutic counselor and birth trauma educator. She also worked as the youngest female Muslim chaplain from the age of 24 for St. Mary's Hospital. She also has a special interest in trauma and time in the womb as impacting later life development. Interestingly, Alia has also received counselling herself and inshallah today we will be talking about her own experiences and exploring common misunderstandings, the taboos of receiving therapy and the compatibility of Islam and counselling. So let's begin inshallah. I deliberately use counselling and therapy synonymously because sometimes I think there's a bit of confusion between both of them and somehow one seems more negative than the other. So I was hoping you would be able to tell us the difference between counselling and therapy if there is any. Okay, assalamualaikum. Uh, it's good to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, Hi. Interesting question. Uh, I think um, traditionally... Uh, Counseling and therapy, um, the difference is uh, predominantly that counseling is considered um, a bit more short term uh, and therapy is considered a long term process. Um, but really, they are, they're very much used interchangeably. Um, you know, there's not a great deal of distinction um, in, in the common use of the term. Uh, I, I agree. I, sometimes I think that counselling is seen more negatively because therapy is used in a lot of different contexts such as art therapy, and language therapy and, and stuff like that whereas you don't really hear counselling in a lot of other casual contexts, should I say? Yeah. Um, I think it really does vary. Um, it depends on people's preconceived notions regarding the area, um, how much they know about it. Uh, sometimes, actually, people really value the space uh, and the process, and sometimes those who may not have come across it before might associate it with the kind of the stereotypical image of mental health and disturbance and what that evokes in people. Um, but generally, I think it really does come down to um, perceptions in, in the community and how people's own experiences of it so if you have known somebody who's been through the process and it was positive for them or you've been through it yourself um you will tend to perceive it positively just like with anything else really um but if you've had negative experiences um or you've related to it in a negative way then naturally you know you might associate it with with negativity yeah okay so it's interesting how you mentioned stereotypes there actually because I mean, if we put the general stigma around mental health aside, and as I'm, you know, South Asian sort of cultures, it is considered collectivist, like communities, collectivist cultures. Mm -hmm. And within those cultures, there's heavy reliance on receiving help from the family unit. Um, 
do you think there's stigma around receiving therapy because an individual is getting support from someone outside of this basis or do you feel that there's a Freudian type stereotype where people imagine visiting um, a therapist is laying down and talking about your dreams where do you think the stigma around Mm -hmm. receiving therapy and counselling is rooted? I mean I I, I don't see it as such polar opposites actually I think there's a lot of nuance in the the whole process really Um, I actually think a lot of, perhaps initially you could say that, you know, um, or in some communities, some people will have that natural feeling of just not wanting to seek support from outside. It's about, you know, preservation of family and respect and, you know, those kind of notions that are there for any community, not just uh, Muslim community. They're just there for individuals. There's always a kind of a bit of anxiety, some nervousness about seeking help from outside, um, regardless whatever that the nature of that help might be. But I think personally, um, from my experience working with lots of people, that actually it's about a lot, a lot of times family members may stop or, you know, somebody receiving therapy, for example, I work a lot with Muslim women. So it's I think it's fear based because people clearly realize that they're doing things that may be wrong or unjust or harmful or abusive um and it's a way of controlling somebody by saying you know it's not helpful it's like visiting a shrink or, or you know um you, you know there's a lot of stigma around you know social work and therapy and as if it's going to be harmful or negative but actually i think in the process there is empowerment and people can be afraid of that um, especially where they might be part of the process of oppression or abuse or harmfulness, you know, it, it, you know, it can create fear, and, and not just for those who are doing that, but just generally, there might be worry that you know it, that it's a reflection on a family member or a partner or a parent or a you know child. So, um, you know, unless people are open to that process, and and and. And realizing that it's actually there for support and help and healing. Um, and, you know, there's something quite powerful and beautiful about the process that I've realized. Um, and that's what drew me to it. I've never, ever seen it as a negative process or something about going to visit a shrink, as you mentioned. And, you know, that that is a very stereotypical image. Um, I'm not sure how many people see it like that anymore. Um, but there is something quite I mean it takes a lot of courage right to to Mm -hmm. to come out of your situation to even just as much as to reach out uh, and start that process and I think you know that's to be commended really Mm -hmm. yeah I mean it's interesting that you mentioned um, empowerment and how sometimes it can be quite intimidating and I, I like I think part of that intimidation is lack of education or lack of knowing what your options are and I feel that there's so many different types of therapies there which come under so many different types of schools within the psychological realm that sometimes people wouldn't know what to choose like if they go to the GP and the GP says okay this is what you can have unless they actually know what they're going into of course that would be um, intimidating but in terms of different types of therapies, which do you think is most compatible with Islam and why? Mm, okay. 
I mean, when I was saying about it being intimidating, I guess I meant it more for where you were, you know, asking about collective communities and the yeah. family unit receiving help and how difficult it can be for for people to allow someone to in their family to even to go to go for that. Um, but in terms of the different therapies, um, there are so many. I mean, there are so many. It's just that it's so vast, really. Um, I think. I mean, I I I did um, psychodynamics, psychoanalytic. I've looked into lots of different. I did Islamic counselling. Mm -hmm. I've done my own research, um, and in the end, um, my I did uh, integrative counselling, which I found actually was most compatible um, with my belief system and my worldview. Um, it, it had the spiritual element and kind of an awareness that of difference and diversity and. It was very open and accepting, and you know it included across the board. And I and I really felt that when you're going to be working with people from all different backgrounds and mm -hmm. you know different life experiences, you need to really like the training needs to reflect that in in the process of the training itself. There needs to be that integrative approach where where you know lots of different avenues are are accepted, are, you know, explored, are worked with. Um, and I think, you know, there are more narrow um, therapeutic schools or ways of, you know, um, work. Okay, so um, so you, you mentioned that, in, you know, integrative counselling was the one that you found most compatible mm -hmm. so you founded Rahma Wellbeing and it is essentially Islamic counselling or counselling from an Islamic perspective mm -hmm. um, what do you feel is the difference between this and non-Islamic counselling okay um, well I mean for me I, with Rahma um, initially it was called Rahma counselling um, and I did change it after five years this year in fact um, to Rahma Wellbeing just um, in my own the, the evolution of my journey and, and, and looking at the needs of people and just integrating more as part of my work, I felt like I wanted it to be, I wanted to frame it as about overall well-being because one of the things, mm. the key things I've learned in the journey with working with people and through my studies and research is that it's just not about one specific thing, you know, it, it, there's so many things, it's about it's not just you can't just separate the mind out from the body for example mm -hmm. you know depression anxiety our moods a lot of it's linked with our nutritional well-being as well yeah. and that's not to say that it's only one thing or the other but if you're supporting yourself nutritionally while you're under immense amount of stress you know when you're under stress your body's constantly releasing toxic hormones and cortisol and you you know it starts affecting your immune system and your nervous system your digestive system goes you can't absorb things you know mm -hmm. you know you know all these things now if you're supporting yourself at least on that level perhaps it can be easier to deal with other things and that's not to say that the, there aren't psychosocial stresses which are causing that but there's that element there's a spiritual element there's relationship elements you know so i felt that um making it you know the approach a bit more about overall well-being um was a more rounded and grounded way forward um for for rahma and for for the yeah. people i work with and yeah. the people i hope to work with in in future inshallah so um and you said about the the difference between yeah. 
I mean, I just, I would just like to add that I think um, well-being gives you an idea of what the final outcome is going to be. Um, and I've, you know, because counselling it just focuses on exactly what service you're giving, whereas well-being, I feel like people will go into it and with a much more mm -hmm. sort of positive vibe that okay, there's actually well-being in there. So, Masha, I think that mm -hmm. was a, a great initiative. But yeah, my actual question was: is what do you feel the difference is between Islamic counselling and non-Islamic counselling? See, I mean, in some ways, this is a, this is this is a big area. Um, I I have thought about it for since probably 2004 when I started out on this journey. Um, I actually did a master's in Muslim community studies with chaplaincy and spiritual care alongside um, starting my psychotherapy training. And um, I also did my thesis on exploring a framework for Islamic counseling and psychotherapy in a British Muslim context. Just uh, I interviewed existing therapists who work with clients just to see what would come up for them. So, and I've continuously thought about it and there's been, I, I've, I guess I've, yeah, I, I've shifted away from it to some degree um, because I felt that there's a lot of Islamization of everything and essentially um, counselling and therapy are about helping human beings to, to heal and to process their emotions and trauma and hurts and to find a, you know, a way of, of living that's you know, more preferable and that they that they that they want you know they people want joy people want good experiences and you know there is a lot of um, trauma in our community certainly there's no denying that um, but fundamentally in all counselling there is this approach of betterment you know or how, of helping people through and support and a lot you know that's there in terms of the Islamic counselling I think <clears throat> it's actually an inherent part of who I am because I am a Muslim and my clients are Muslims and it's just there it's not a it's not a separate entity and I think I found greater comfort and relief in the fact that actually I don't need to go out and create a specific separate model for example I mean my the reason why Rahma counseling is you know is named Rahma is because I did my research on, on birth trauma and, uh, you know, looking at it from an Islamic perspective, I came to the realization of, that the place of the womb, the name in Arabic is Raham, it's related to Allah's name, which we recite a lot throughout the day, which has so much deep meaning attached to it, which is, you know, it's not just mercy, it's compassion, it's grace, it's, you know, uh, loving kindness, there's so much to it. And I just thought, wow, that's the place in which we're created. And there's so much research around the mind and the body and, and the soul, <clears throat> but very little around the womb, the place in which we, we come from and that holds so much emotion. And, you know, women go through a lot, not just while carrying a baby, but throughout your whole life cycle um, and what you internalize from the society that you live in. And another human being is created out of that. We don't give that much power to it and we don't we don't give it enough attention and for me you know relating it back to islam was through that and i think it's one of the most powerful things that i've ever come across so you know and i just inherently work with people based on that and using those concepts and i think spirituality is a huge part of it we you know where it's relevant we will use um, stories from um, the prophets and from companions and 
you know, my, my clients might ask me to make the for them or, we, you know, use certain names of Allah. In, in that sense, it, it comes in, but it's not like a specific, it's not like separate. I think for me, it's just part and parcel. And maybe I don't see it as a very separate uh, entity. Because I think, you know, it's like nobody says, are you doing, you know, English counseling or, you know, you know, it's like it's like that. I mean, I'm not sure if that's the the the, the best way to frame it. But I mean, I know there are faith based counseling services, but I just I, I guess for me, it, the more I studied it, the more I realized it's just an inherent part of who we are. And because we're quite fragmented as a community, because there has been so much distress and trauma and Islamophobia there's a need to create an identity and even with counseling there's this kind of is it Islamic and because the you know again it's based on a fear that something that's not Islamic might take you out of the fold of um, things or it might not be right for you mm. that's that's such a nice way to to think about it mashallah that it's not you know it doesn't have to be a separate entity like it's so nice to think that you know the type of counseling that you give the support and the service service that you offer is just within you and through that it is islamic i hope i think that's a good summary of what you said inshallah <laughs> it's also about your own spiritual journey and process and how grounded you are and you know your your the, your own work that you do and and how you bring that in and it's not always you know not everyone wants to have it so obviously islamic right if you're coming from a background where you you know you might have guilt you might have done things that you you feel that are not in line islamically or others might not feel and you don't want to ostracize somebody by labeling it so obviously islamic counseling because it's about more than that which is why i think i've taken a slightly softer approach in that sense because there will be people who come to you who have self-harm to want to suicide who have issues with sexuality or same-sex attraction who've taken drugs or you know there are all sorts of things that you know perhaps might not be considered you know okay by a lot of muslims and that would be our putting so the very people who need help won't then access what is termed as islamic counseling on the offset potentially definitely so um I'd like to move on to your own experiences, inshallah. And I know you received um, counselling. Um, so if you wouldn't mind telling us what type of counselling you received and for how long? Mm, okay. Um, as part of just, I think, I, well, it's part of training, actually. It's, 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 necess it's a necessity. Um, if, you, if you're going to go into this area, you must have therapy yourself. Um, I've, uh, it's actually something I've never really spoken about um, on a public level. Um, I, I, th I think um, it's always been part of my life, if I, you know, if I can say that in terms of I've always been interested in psychology and therapy and counseling and, you know, development. And I have a curiosity within me that's never ending. I'm always trying to understand the human mind and behavior. Very analytical. So, um you know, and a very sensitive soul as well. So I think from, you know, I remember watching Oprah, and, you know, just as a, you know, as a child, you know, I was very interested in what is going on behind, you know, the way people think and everything. So I think inevitably I, I was going to go for it um, because I was quite curious and I wanted to work on my own, my own things. And I think that you can't be a good therapist if you haven't been through it yourself. 
um, and I don't think you should be one. Um, my course actually was it was a requirement, and if you are not in therapy, it was not, it would not be seen as a good thing. So um, I, ha I have had um, I've tried different um, counselling approaches, but I I settled with one for about and well, it's been about eight years. Um, I think the longest. Um, it is an inherent part of my life, actually. Um, giving therapy, having had therapy, researching it. Um, because I just see it as a, it is like a, perhaps, it, you know, like in old in the olden days, perhaps you can call them the olden days, but, um, you know, there was always a spiritual guide or, you know, there was something, you know, in those kind of the mystical side of things. There's always somebody, an older, wiser person, a teacher, a guide. So I see it more like all-encompassing, a kind of, uh, you know, somebody who who helps you in the process. Yeah. So I think, mashallah, with that answer, you've completely turned the tables on the definition of what counselling can actually mean for someone. Like, you don't have to have a history of abuse or, you know, um, or trauma, etc., to get counselling because, of course, it can mean different things for different people. Um, and I think there's a common stereotype um, for counsellors that they must be these robust people and have total control of their feelings and their thoughts and I mean how do you feel about this what are your thoughts about that stereotype the thing is um, it's of course you have to be grounded and this is very important for you know for doing all types of work actually but certainly in this area you have to really know yourself you know um, and you know, it, it is about being centered and having gone through a process. And I think only then can you do this yourself. Um, you know, and people do have breakdowns. Counselors, therapists, they do have moments where they can't cope, or you know, they've had to leave the profession, or they've taken, you know. Um, but a lot of it is about how you frame your work, the way in which you choose to work and, and, and how you are, and, you know, if you're not getting the right type of support or you haven't done things yourself, you know, there's a difference between it being a career path, I, I feel, and something that, you know, it, you know, you just do or, you know, your intentions behind are, are very important. Now, for me, like I said, it's always been almost like a way of life for me from childhood. I've always been interested. I did, I've done psychology since I was 17. It's, I'm now 35, so it's just tipped over into more than half. So, you know, I've always been doing things that are about self-development, that are about helping myself in some way or another. And so, you know, it, it has different meaning for me. Um, if you do it because it's a career path or because, well, you, I was going to say if you do it for the money, but you won't be doing it for the money. But, you know, it, it really does depend on what you're, you know, what you're about. Um, and if you're, if you're not centered, like I said, then you will be, you know, um, affected. But, you know, it does take a lot of strength because I'll just give an example. Um, I don't know if this is fully relevant but as when I was working as a chaplain in the hospital and I was really young when I did this and I myself look back at this moment and think like wow there must have been you know a higher power at work here you know Allah must have been part of that because um as part of my role I would support women who had um a miscarriage lost a baby you know there was neonatal distress and um Sometimes they didn't want to be part of the process because they felt they would get attached and it would be more painful, although in the long run that would lead to greater depression. 
and difficulty. But in that situation, there, there, there was an incident once where I was asked to come up and there was no one else available and to help the staff. And, and the baby was very, very premature. We're talking the fingers were kind of almost still see-through. Like, you know, when there's kind of like that bluey kind of... Uh, I can't even explain. The baby was so, so tiny. And I had to hold the baby and I read some du'as. Um, and I, I can't remember if I said the adhan or... I, I can't remember exactly what happened. Um, but I felt that... You know, there in that moment, the mother, because of her trauma and distress, had she felt she was unable to to deal with it. Now, there was nobody else, and it was my responsibility, and it was an amana from Allah. Now, you know, in that moment, <clears throat> that baby had died, and that was, for some reason, I had been put there. Now, the staff were saying, how can you even do this? And it's distressing for us. And, and I, I just... I just said in that very early stage in my life, in my career, in my Islam, because I hadn't been brought up with Islam, um, and I just said it's it's my faith. I really believe in in Allah, and that you know there's some there's some in, immense blessing and uh, you know in this grief and you know whatever's happened. Um, so for me, I just, I've always felt very strongly about being there for others and helping others. And I don't feel that it's, um, you know, something, you know, and you have feelings. Sometimes you feel sad for people. It's actually okay. Sorry. Um, it's actually okay to, to express that because a lot of the times people don't express compassion or empathy or sadness or grief, or you know what, what you've been through is really traumatic, and it makes me sad that you went through that. Mm. You know, we, you know, we find it difficult as a community to actually accept those things. Sometimes, maybe because people have been through it themselves, or they've not had that acknowledgement. There's a kind of, there is a stiff upper lip about it. <laughs> you know, there is a kind of, well, I had to put up with it, you put up with it, and you know, and that side of things as well. Um, but yeah, I think it is. Um, I think you have to be grounded, but it's good to also share your feelings and thoughts and in 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 an appropriate way. So bearing all of that in mind, when you said that some counselors obviously can experience breakdowns and can leave their profession, etc., um, do you feel that knowing the things that you know and have learned, that you can also apply them to yourself, like? Um, you know like therapeutic uh techniques such as challenging questions you know positive self-affirmation and being able to de-escalate a situation that you're experiencing for example um yeah well the thing is i feel that if you haven't applied things yourself or you haven't learned then you can't be you can't really be doing it. i mean you, you can to some degree in terms of you can share your experiences right mm. or your knowledge with somebody you can share skills with them even if you haven't applied them yourself but i i feel like you you know like i said you have to really know yourself and you have to do a lot of work on yourself and have the right support around you um, you know, live your life in a way. For me, it is about living a grounded life, and I guess I've really changed my way of being and my way of living. And you know, I do I do practice um, yoga and breathing and prayer. Prayer is very important for me. It's very spiritual. Um, you know, um, part, you know, um, it's it's yeah, a spiritual process of my life that you know. I, 
I trust in that a lot, and it's, uh, you know, I think it's the, also it is about the way in which I live. I've chosen to live my life so that I can do this work, and so that it has, you know, greater meaning for me. So you know, I, all the, a lot of the things that I kind of help people with, or we talk about, or explore, are things that I have practiced myself, or I try to. So how did it feel to receive counselling as well as be a counsellor for others? Um, I think it puts you in a more compassionate place because you know what happens or how somebody might feel. It gives you a greater sense of intuition. Um, you know, it's like in, you know, back in the days you'd have people, you know, that you, if you wanted to learn a skill, you would you would go and work with somebody who had that skill, who was more advanced, right? Um, and I liken, um, you know, having counselling and therapy, going through therapy really with also, and also giving it to that because it's sort of, you're, you're, you're continuously working on yourself. Um, you know, there are consultants, therapists who still have therapy, um, you know, and people go in and out of it at different points in their life, um, the intuition aspect is there um and just also knowing sometimes it's also about things that you feel that were missing in your own um therapeutic process that you think could be beneficial that you just it's like every generation or you know you can you hope to do something better right so it's a bit like that um in just it's like a progressive you know and hopefully perhaps somebody you know that's that I'm working with they may want to, you know, I, I hope that they'd go on to be a better therapist than I am and they'd take from what I have and add to it. And I think that's with everything. Um, and also the things that I've learned through my therapist or through my process that I can then pass on to. So, you know, that person's work is actually continuing through me. And it's just like, you know, it's, I guess it's also like studying, you know, when you go to study with a scholar or a teacher, you continuously pass that on you learn and it's like it's not it's not a linear process yeah yeah but definitely a useful one nonetheless Inshallah. so lastly what would be the most important thing you would say to someone who would like to receive counseling but is stopping themselves due to the fear of stigma or discrimination from family or friends or colleagues gosh there's lots to say but um <laughs> I think just go for it you know it, it's so important because you have one life and it's tiny in the grand scheme of things you know we get so caught up in the daily grind of things and arguments and projections and insecurities and worries and fears and we kind of act them out we live on them sometimes you know without realizing that actually maybe we can step back a bit and look at what's happening and try to relate to it in a different way I mean you might fall angry or upset or anxiety about something but it's possible not to act on it when you're aware of it and to just watch it and observe it and see what's actually happening um you know and start working with it and it you know we do need to i mean it's, it's funny that you've used the word stigma a few times because in the last few days i've seen a few posters and things being sent around they all say you know taboo and stigma and I was thinking you know actually maybe we need to stop using those words because we're putting that out there and we're almost creating it you know like it's there this is a taboo we need to do something about it but let's just do something about it and talk about it um 
raise that awareness, help people get help. And, and I think maybe changing and shifting away from the idea of stigma um, and taboo to healing and, you know, it being about improving yourself, um, you know, there, there, there are, there are inevitably problems um, in our community, in every community, in, you know, every gender, in every race, everybody goes through, through you know, difficult patches and some communities may experience it more um, at different points in their life. And, and there's no doubt the Muslim community has been through a lot in the last decade or so. Um, there's a lot being projected onto Muslims and, you know, the way I see young people growing up and what they've internalized. And, you know, I, I do think it's really, really sad. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, but there's also really wonderful things that people are doing. But we all have to work together at the end of the day. Um, and really recheck your intentions and why we're doing this, you know, whether you're helping people or whether you're the person who's going through something and let's work on it to, together because we're all learning together, you know, a therapist, you know, or, or a teacher or somebody, they might guide you, but they may also learn from you and you can learn from them and you may teach them something. Um, and it's not where, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, I, I mean, one thing I do want to say is I think that the idea of the stereotype and stigma that does need to be broken, um, you know, and I said I do think that we need to shift away from that. But it it's based on fear of this idea of somebody who's gone mad, who's perhaps running, you know, crazy in the street, or you know, has behaviour that's outrageous that we can't handle. And you know, really deep down, there's an inherent fear in the self that that could be you. And the best way often is to kind of cut off from that because there is a madness in the world. There is a, there is a feeling of madness that anyone can go through at any time and it can touch on something very, you know, core within the self. You know, the world is in a very painful state. There are horrific, horrendous abuses and terrible things happening left, right and centre. And sometimes people just want to protect themselves by pretending it doesn't exist or caging someone up into a label and putting them into a box and saying, look, this is a mad person, there's something wrong with them. And actually, maybe we as a community need to face that something has gone wrong and that and it has evoked something in that person where they're saying no. You know, I have so many clients where, you know, so many people I've come across where they feel like they've been made to feel like they're mad or they've been given labels, whether it's from the Muslim community or mainstream medical services or whatever it might be. But for me, I just want to know who you are and what happened to you to 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 get you in this space and how we can help you and you know whether you have bipolar disorder or schizophrenia or you know what depression or, or whatever label you've been given you know whether it's come out physically or psychologically you know who are you you are somebody you're you're just to me you're responding you know if you have mood swings then you're responding to some traumatic event or something that's happened to you that label doesn't make you anything you know it doesn't it doesn't have to shape you i'm interested in who you are and helping you heal mashallah you've said some really amazing and really lovely and wise things today jazakallah khair for your participation today it has been an absolute honor being able to listen to your experience and take advantage of your vast knowledge as well mashallah 
Um, and Jazakumullah khairan to all our listeners. We hope that you have taken something new from this podcast and it has been of some benefit for you. If you have any ideas for future podcasts or would like to feature as a guest, please do email info at inspiratedminds.org.uk. And until next time, we pray that Allah makes all your hardships easy for you. And remember that Inspirited Minds are always here to listen and offer support. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Don't let me go astray cause I need you by my side I wish to be close